Hello, Plantation. Welcome to the City of Plantation's podcast. I'm Dr. J, formerly with Plantation Information Radio. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the information provided within the episodes of this podcast help keep you, your family, and your friends safe during this pandemic. Today, we are pleased to have with us Dr. Daniel Perez, a specialist in infectious disease at Westside Regional Medical Center. As an epidemiologist, Dr. Perez spends his days, often nights, and now, of course, weekends, dealing with infectious diseases. Unquestionably, Dr. Perez is currently overwhelmed in dealing with the coronavirus outbreak. However, he has graciously agreed to spend some time on his day off with us to speak about COVID-19 and its impact on plantation residents. So, Dr. Perez, first of all, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. You know, and let me let me start by just thanking you, your staff, and all the healthcare providers out there for really putting themselves in harm's way to try and protect the citizens, not just the plantation, but really globally. So let's dive right into this if we can. What we'd like is if you can just kind of give us an overview of what is COVID-19? What is coronavirus? What does it mean? What is it all about? Um, you know, what's happening globally around the world? And then maybe focus it in on what's happening in your practice and what you're seeing locally. That's a long question there, Joel. <laughs> it's a lot to cover. We can break it down if you want. But I think that, um, you know, it's interesting to uh, see this, but coronaviruses have been here for millions of years. Um, we have, as a matter of fact, uh, flu-like illnesses um, are caused by coronaviruses, 10 to 25% of them. And um, But what's going on right now is that this is a novel coronavirus. It's a, it's a virus that has never been developed or has not been discovered until this uh, episode. Um, we've been dealing with um, epidemics, um, obviously one's smaller proportions for what we're dealing with, uh, for many years. I mean, as you recall, in um, <clears throat> 2002, um, we had the SARS epidemic, um, which um, it only uh, affected a very small uh, amount of people and a very small amount of deaths. That um, was a little bit scary because the, uh, the, uh, the fatality rate, and we'll talk a little bit more detail about what was that, was 10%. But it was only a very limited amount of deaths at that time. And it was controlled, obviously, with um, uh, a lot of um, uh, help and um, healthcare workers who, who, who did a lot of work in controlling this uh, epidemic. Then we did, had the MERS epidemic, which was in 2012-2013, and which only localized in the uh, Arabian Peninsula. But that uh, had a very high fatality rate. So obviously, there, the, the, it was not as contagious as what we're dealing with right now with the um, COVID, but um, the fatality rate was up to 30%. And that only affected only like 5,000 people. Now, <clears throat> we're seeing another outbreak of this um, uh, novel uh, coronavirus infection that obviously have started in the Wuhan uh, city of, in China uh, in December of 2019. <clears throat> and unfortunately, <clears throat> this one, which is what we call a zoonotic uh, infection, it started from an animal, it jumped into a human being, and then obviously spread um, uh, among uh, China and now all over the world. Um, and obviously that's the, the, the scary part is that obviously this, it's highly contagious uh, in comparison to the other epidemics of coronavirus infections. I want to 
try and clear up a little confusion because obviously the messages that are coming out are all different and depending on who you talk to and what time of day, we're hearing different things. We've ha- and, and you talked a little bit about the pandemics that we've had over the years. What is it that's making this one so different? I mean, we've had them, we've dealt with them, we've survived them, but this one seems to be just, just comp- the others pale in, in, in the face of this. It's, um, it's a problem of how contagious it is. And I think that um, in, um, if we see the numbers of um, uh, infected uh, people and the number of uh, deaths, you're seeing that obviously this is something uh, um, that has no, uh, that we've never seen before. Um, obviously, unfortunately, we have to say that today, I think that we are reaching the million um, uh, mark of um, uh, cases um, around the world, and um, and it's going to continue to go up. So it's 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 a matter of how um, uh, how contagious this uh, this is infection is in comparison to other other current coronaviruses outbreaks, that um, that um, uh, that it's obviously um, um, uh, a concern for 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 us right now. Yeah. So let, let, let's get into that a little bit if we can. Um, you mentioned about the, the, the fatality or the death rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we talked before when you first arrived off, you know, off mic about the fact that it, we've just come to the realization that we haven't peaked yet, that, that really we're, we're approaching what could potentially be the high point of this scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the, 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 you know, they came out, Dr. Fauci came out with numbers the other day, and he said, if we don't do anything, we're going to lose up to 2 million people. Uh, and and if, even if we do make efforts, 100 to 250,000. Um, what about that? What can we do? What, what, can, what can we as average human beings do to say, hey, I don't want to die. I, I want to do what I can to, to keep everybody alive. Well, we just need to follow the guidelines of um, what the government is recommending. I mean, obviously, uh, the social distancing and isolation that needs to be followed um, strictly. Um, I think that obviously, I mean, you see it. Um, unfortunately, I still see a lot of people driving around, um, going um, into social meetings or um, family meetings that are have a lot of uh, people inside a house, um, going to beaches um, uh, and churches. And I don't think that we, we are realizing the, the severity of this situation and that we need to follow strict rules of isolation. So let, let, let's get into the self-isolation because that also has, in the last day or so, become a real, real big thing. Uh, the governor just signed the, the executive order. Um, what does that mean? What is self-isolation or what is, what is social distancing? And now I guess they're calling it physical distancing. They've kind of changed the terminology a little bit. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about here? Well, what does it mean? Because I think everybody looks at it and interprets it to their own benefit. I mean, if non-essential, it's pretty much staying at home at all times. That's how I, I, I feel it. I mean, obviously, you need to go out for um, pharmacy, doctor's appointments, um, 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 grocery, picking um, your food that you need. But it's only limited to just the um, <clears throat> uh, essential uh, situations that you need to get out of the house. I'm not saying that obviously you have to stay at home all the time. I mean, obviously, if you want to walk in the neighborhood, it's to remain <clears throat> at least six feet apart from from individuals uh, to make sure that there's no risk of of of, of contracting the infection. And for the layperson, 
who doesn't really understand this. Why is that so important? That six foot distance, the space, the cover up, all that. It's all about the um, physiopathology and the develop and the risk of development of infections, especially coronaviruses. Um, we do know that <clears throat> these infections can be transmitted by secretions. Obviously, uh, we do know that they're not as highly contagious as other infections like tuberculosis and measles, but we do know that for coronaviruses, at least six feet away apart in regards to just the uh, potential for either transmitting secretions uh, to other people. We do also do know that <clears throat> this infection can be transmitted through um, uh, surfaces. Um, it, it is important to uh, know that the um, in, uh, uh, that the um, infection can be transmitted if you touch or are in contact with uh, objects that do carry the virus. Um, unfortunately, this virus is hard uh, uh, to die. Um, it can stay up to uh, hours or days in hard surfaces. So that's why the importance of um, uh, washing um, all objects that are in touch with um, uh, contact with hands. And most importantly, uh, the hand washing is critical. We do know that obviously we need to wash our hands at least tw for 20 minutes extremely well. Uh, sorry, 20 seconds extremely well to make sure that, um, uh, that we don't transmit the infection to other people. We, we've also heard... And in line with all this, we've heard the conversations about masks and gloves and N95 masks versus surgical masks versus something you can make at home and, and all this stuff going on. And obviously there's a tragic or, or a, a horrible shortage of these supplies. Who needs to wear a mask? You know, you talk to everybody again, just like, you know, all, all the prevention stuff. It's You get different answers. Who needs to wear masks? Who needs to wear gloves? And what do they need to actually do? The um, the debate about uh, masks obviously has been going on for weeks. Um, and I think that ultimately that it's going to change. I mean, obviously, from what I'm listening from Tony Fauci, from um, all the other uh, experts in the field, um, I, I think that things will change. I, I honestly believe that right now, um, um, who needs to wear masks? Uh, um, we're talking about, obviously, if you're in, in the hospital, that's a different thing. Uh, the N95s are only indicated for um, healthcare workers who um, uh, who are on, in battle or um, uh, taking care of, of sick uh, individuals who have the uh, COVID infection. Um, the regular surgical masks, um, like I said, I, I don't think they're uh, recommended, but that will change. I think that for uh, uh, normal population who is at no risk of any exposure, um, I don't think that the surgical masks are indicated. Uh, there was a debate that obviously that we had a shortage of these um, uh, masks uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I think that's a, a real thing that it's going to happen if this continues to go the way that it's going. But um, I think that obviously we're, um, or at least the government and a lot of other people are under a lot of pressure that they might recommend uh, wearing just regular surgical masks uh, for everybody uh, later on. All right. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on that, I guess. Um, all right. So obviously, you know, we all want this thing to end today. We just want to throw the switch and say this was a bad dream and wake up tomorrow and everything will be wonderful. Um, but obviously that's not realistic. We've also heard from different authoritative individuals about the duration and how long this thing is going to last. And we mentioned earlier that we haven't even reached the peak yet, especially here in South Florida. Based on what you know and based on 
what you've seen in your experiences over the years, and, and not going to hold you to this by any means, but how long do we anticipate this could last? I mean, Joel, if you want to be optimistic, I mean, tomorrow. I'd, I'd like to be, but. <laughs> we would hope for it. But realistic, I mean, we have to see exactly how the world is going through. I mean, obviously, China, Europe, they're a couple of weeks ahead of us. And um, I, I honestly believe that with seeing that what is going through right now and obviously the, uh, the, the strict protocols that we're trying to follow to make sure that this uh, we're able to control this and uh, what we're everybody's saying, flatten the curve or kind of slow things down a little bit. Um, I mean, if we flatten the curve, I mean, things are going to continue for weeks. I mean, I honestly believe that uh, April and May is are pretty much uh, going to be, we're going to continue dealing with this. Um, and hopefully by uh, summer, everything will kind of slow down. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful that, obviously, like I said, I think uh, six weeks, eight weeks, we'll, we're going to continue this. So, so this kind of intensity for at least another six to eight weeks and then start right. to see it ramp down? Right. And uh, what maybe like, I mean, I, and again, I hate to put dates on anything, but mid-end of summer to see this go away? Well, I think that uh, uh, the remnants will 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 st still persist, but yes, I think that obviously by by mid summer, end of summer, I think hopefully everything will go away. I, I think the scar will be left there. I think that obviously um, from a from a mental standpoint, I think that obviously we're going to be affected by this for a longer period of time. But I'm hoping that obviously that the cases, the number of of uh, new cases and the number of uh, of deaths will hopefully will be uh, done by the end middle of, or end of summer. So let's um I want to go back to the social distancing thing for just a second. The, the governor signed the order, you know, effective really tomorrow, which is Friday, mm -hmm. uh, saying you know kind of giving enforcement to the whole social distancing and and the you know identifying essential travel. Are we as a community doing everything we can to be wary and, and, and to, to aid in the prevention of the spread? Or is there more that we can do as individuals? That's a hard question to ask, but to answer. But I, I think that um, a lot of people, I'm not sure if they still um, understand the gravity of the situation. Um, I think that... Um, uh, we need to be a little bit more uh, strict about following um, uh, the rules and guidelines so that they're suggesting for us to follow. Um, so I, I think that we need to be a little bit more uh, serious and taking it a little bit more um, concerning to, to make sure that we need to do everything what we need to do. Um, I, I still see, like I said, I mean, driving around, I still see a lot of people just, I'm not sure if all these, all this travel that they do and it's essential, but we just need to be, take it a little bit more serious, honestly, believe. And just one other thing I want to look at. Um, we've sort of segmented the population. You know, we, we've said these people are, 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 you know, at high risk. These are at low risk, et cetera, et cetera. We obviously find the elderly or the older population is at extreme risk. What is it that makes that so risky for them? It's a multiple situations. I mean, obviously the, uh, the, um, the, uh, the numbers are, are scary. Um, I mean, if you see, if, and if I go backwards in age, we do know that obviously people are older than 80 who have um, uh, COVID, 15% uh, will die. Um, if you're older than 70, it's going to be 8%. 
and it goes lower, lower, lower. So obviously anybody who's older than 60 has a much higher risk and obviously than the younger, younger population. So we do know obviously from um, what happened in China and what's happening in Europe that obviously the older you are, the, the higher the risk of, of, of death and if you contract this infection. It's, 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 an, it's an age issue, and uh, I mean, I can go scientifically why that would be, um, but I think that um, we do know that there's a probably a, a, um, a loss of, of um, immunity the older you get. And if I, if I that's what we'll call immunity senescence, meaning that the older you get, your immunity starts coming back down and it, your memory or your cells that are in charge of, uh, of infections is, is pretty much gone. That's one probably the main reason, but obviously we also have to highlight the importance of comorbid uh, conditions and uh, elderly population. We do know that obviously coronary artery disease, um, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, renal disease, liver disease, um, uh, if you're immunosuppressant medications, either for uh, cancers or any other conditions, you're at a much higher risk of developing this infection. So it's really important that not just the elderly take care of themselves and practice social distancing, but those that have contact with the elderly or those that that associate with the, the older population really also have to be respectful of that scenario. And and, and I think that's one, one of the few things that are coming um, over the past day or two. We are not realizing the asymptomatic carriers or the potential individuals who don't have any symptoms, uh, the risk of they are to give it to somebody who's at risk for the infection. And uh, we do know that <clears throat> a number of, of, of patients don't have any symptoms at all. Usually it's a younger population who, who carry the infection without having any symptoms. Those are the ones that are our biggest concern right now, I think. And that presents a challenge, doesn't it? Because how do you tell somebody who has no symptoms, you might be a carrier? You know, I, I, where do we even start to define that? Exactly. All right, so this is this has been great, and you know, I I want to I want to start to close it down. Mm -hmm. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to, you know, it, it's it's rare that we have the opportunity to have such an expert here with us. Um, I like to give you the opportunity to to talk about what we haven't talked about. What haven't we asked? What are some things that it, you've got an audience now? You can speak directly to the community. What do you want to tell them? I think that um, obviously the one, <clears throat> the couple of things that we want to highlight <clears throat> or want I want to highlight will be <clears throat> that uh, people have to take this uh, 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 this um, uh, situation seriously. Um, as we have seen, and I imagine that everybody looks and hears the news, and we see the number of cases significantly increasing <clears throat> in specific areas within the United States. And um, and we have to take this uh, very seriously and make sure that obviously we do what we can, what we need to do in order to control this infection. Um, I think that obviously the important thing, like I said, is the younger population um, that obviously has a significant risk of transmitting the infection. Even even they they don't have any symptoms, they just have to be careful with their parents or grandparents to make sure they don't they don't they don't transmit this infection. Um, but at the end, I think that what I want to highlight and uh, for everybody to hear is that. We're going to get through this. This is obviously something that obviously we have expected to happen. Um, and obviously everybody working together, um, we're going to overcome this and we're going to make sure that uh, everything will be back to normal, hopefully in the coming uh, weeks to months.
So um, I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic that uh, with everything that we're, we're doing, specifically the um, social uh, isolation um, and um, controlling and making sure that you do everything that you need to do, that uh, we're gonna we're gonna go over the take. I mean, we're gonna make sure that we're gonna overcome this, and everything will be back. Uh, so hopefully soon. Outstanding. Yeah, you know, I, I just I just thought of something else. There has been some conversation out there, and we, we talked earlier about you know it, it dissipating toward the end of the summer, possibly. Um, you know, and and you, you said the scars will be around, the remnants will be around. What about the, the incidence of a possible reinfection? You know, a recurrence of it. You know, as the flu season comes back again. That's uh, it's very real, Joel. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm listening to <clears throat> the experts uh, in the morning, and there is a possibility that that might happen. Um, <clears throat> I think that um, if, you know, there's going to be something, um, and there there's some hypotheses that there will be either uh, an animal who will be kind of an intermediary, intermediary host that will keep this virus um, uh, upon us and it'll just kind of wake up whenever it wants to. So there's a very real possibility that um, this will be something like a like an influenza uh, and be kind of a cyclic uh, uh, outbreaks of many outbreaks. Um, there's obviously the the possibility that obviously once everybody gets infected, uh, then we'll develop a herd immunity, meaning that obviously that. Uh, people who got the infection will be able to protect uh, the other people who are susceptible to infection. And I'm really hopeful for vaccine development. Obviously that maybe by next year, or maybe by the end of uh, this year, uh, we will have a vaccine that obviously will be able to uh, get everybody uh, vaccinated to protect the ones who have never had the infection. Wow. That would be great. Let's hope so. All right. Well, Dr. Perez, thank you again very much for spending the time being with us. Uh, giving us your expertise and your insight. I think it's invaluable, and hopefully the people who listen to this will, will heed those, those words from you. Um, you know, we really, really appreciate it. Again, thank you for all you're doing, your staff, and all the healthcare workers out there for, for doing their very best and really, really putting themselves in harm's way. So from us to you, stay safe, stay well, and thank you. No, same thing to you, Joel. I mean, thank you for inviting me here. And like I said, I appreciate uh, the invitation here. And I also want to thank you, uh, the Plantation uh, Fire Department, and everybody else out there who's, uh, who's working hard to make sure we get this thing under control soon. Great. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the City of Plantation podcast. Here in Plantation, we're working hard to bring you the latest, most accurate information available about the coronavirus pandemic. Remember, if you have specific questions, you can email them to askcityhall at plantation.org. Don't forget to visit the COVID-19 page on our website and register for Everbridge for up-to-the-minute changes regarding the outbreak. We want to thank you for tuning in and taking the time to listen to the experts about how to keep yourselves, your family, and your business safe and healthy during the crisis. And don't forget to wash your hands, cover your cough, and maintain a safe distance.